0: Hello, and this is episode 98 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jerry Gibson. Today, uh, very lucky, very honored to have uh, the greatest female player of all time, Nicole David. She showed up like a pro, and uh, it couldn't have gone any better um, in preparation for this. I wasn't really sure uh, how to prepare because uh, she'd done quite a few interviews ever since she uh, announced her retirement. So, um i'm not i wasn't really sure how to prepare i didn't want to revisit all the the same old questions and uh i think what we came up with today i know you will like so uh she showed up like a pro we spoke for well over an hour um i did uh, remind her that we had met um back in 2002 in Busan uh south korea during the asian games of course uh, she remembered me and uh <laughs> not but um no uh but i did remember her and that that was a fantastic experience she was uh so likable back then and very likable still today and that's what we know of her it's a real pro we talk quite a bit about uh, you know a little bit about her backstory we don't go too deeply into that, but I do ask her about her early successes as a as a as a junior, and then also them winning as a 16 year old on the PSA tour. We talk about what it took to be able to do that, and uh, several other things, including uh, what she's up to today. And you might be surprised to hear. A couple of the things that she's uh gotten herself into and enjoying uh in her life uh after squash but one thing's for certain uh she's definitely uh still hitting the gym and as fit as they uh as as they come so i'm sure uh, you know if she ever wanted to uh make a foray back into the game it wouldn't take uh wouldn't take her long to get uh, back into game shape that's for sure uh, at any rate uh, we have a, a great one today uh, the greatest female player of all time Nicole David uh, I'm, I'm honored yeah. to have on uh, honored to have on the podcast uh, the, the player that was voted by the PSA uh, in a poll as the greatest woman's player of all time eight-time world champion two-time commonwealth gold medalist she spent 109 consecutive months at the number one position in the in the rankings uh her illustrious career came to an end uh at the end of this season um uh, talking about none other than uh, nicole david nicole uh great to have you on my podcast and it's an honor to be speaking with you today
1: hi jerry thanks for having me on on one <laughs>
0: yeah great uh actually nicole now uh i know you uh you'll remember this we actually met
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah did you know that? Yeah,
1: in Canada?
0: No, no, no. Uh, no I'm, I'm just kidding. We have met, but you won't remember. Uh, back in 2000, <laughs> okay. 2002.
1: Um, right, that's a long uh, time ago. Asian
0: Games in uh, Busan. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah, that was a long time ago.
0: Long sure. time ago, yeah. <laughs> many, many years ago, yeah. I used to live in and Korea. You were,
1: uh, uh, okay okay that's great yeah, so that, that, we did some uh interviews
0: then uh actually i did i sort of started my my little the, the podcasting obviously wasn't uh, going on back then but uh i was writing a little bit for squash talk at that time just for fun and uh, uh okay yeah yeah so i wrote some summaries of so the matches. my apologies if
1: i if i didn't didn't keep up with
0: <laughs> oh no then
1: is <laughs>
0: no no uh, but you were uh, well, I did nice speak with you you still
1: involved with squash
0: oh yeah yeah I mean I'll never uh, I, I love the game and uh, this new podcast thing uh, has given me the opportunity to uh, to speak with you and I spoke with your coach uh, a few months ago so uh, Liz so uh, yeah
1: I yeah. heard the interview is great and glad you could um, get in touch with her and you know, I mean, I hear, hear all about the background and what's been going on um, in terms of squash and history, and what she has in store.
0: Absolutely. Now uh, you're in uh, you're in Bogota uh, right now, uh, Nicole. So yes, what what bring, yes. what are you doing uh, there right now? A little bit of uh, rest and relaxation, or some squash related? Uh, yeah. Stuff.
1: Yeah, um, um, the last year and a half or so, I've been working uh, on some uh, altitude training at the time. And as time goes by, I um, created some great friends here, a uh, community here that is so friendly and such a vibrant energy that you just want to just stay here a bit longer. So I, after retiring, I just thought, why not stay here? And enjoy the luxuries of what the country has to offer and it's really such a great place to be. Um, I, I love the food, I love the mm. environment and the yeah it's just a great energy with people and I, I'm just enjoying every moment here and exploring the country as well because South South America was always a place that I wanted to venture out and I got a chance to do that now with um, great great people and great friends here
0: absolutely yeah that's amazing have you bumped into uh the colombian cannonball on your travels
1: of course of course <laughs> i mean he has been one very instrumental in my training here uh he's helped me out a lot in terms of you know tra- getting on court together this last year and a half and setting me up with players to train with and also uh, from then on he we got a chance to connect with the with martin Knight, with the. The national team to do some training uh in the national like sports complex which is which is so great um, and his family has been really welcoming as well so yeah, definitely been seeing him quite a bit, and he's also had some squash camps here that I just went to check it out for one day and played with some of the kids that he brought over so it's nice to see that he's doing a lot for squash and Hopefully, you know who knows we can do something more further along the lines um, in terms of like altitude training and stuff so
0: so you're still you're still uh, doing a little bit of training even in in retirement huh
1: Well I have to you know, i as a squash player i I tend to eat a lot, and a lot of people know me very well that i am and Liz probably said that too that I can eat um all day and every day every two hours mm. i need to be fed so when i'm not playing squash i need to definitely keep myself active and not <laughs> i'll yeah, be you, rolling around you might balloon
0: up to uh, to some new weight yeah?
1: <laughs> yeah 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 so i for me it's just more of just the enjoyment of waking up in the morning and doing something that i like doing and want to workout doing something that maybe i'm interested in is not something that i'm training towards like playing a tournament or uh building up for a competition it's just some when i when i just think about what i want to do on the day i just do it so it's a nice feeling yet um it's about getting used to and and i'm enjoying it which is nice
0: that's awesome that's awesome now um Uh, Just speaking of retirement, I mean, uh, it sounds like you have, but uh, have you uh, have you adjusted to uh, life sort of after professional squash or is it something like um, these days? Do you get up and say, okay, I'd still like to get out there and compete a little bit?
1: Um, I'm really kind of relieved that I don't have to get up and go out there and compete to be honest. (laughs) I've done that for such a long time and I know what it takes to be up there and playing on the tour and and the training that goes into it. So it's not just the competing itself, it's the training that was so brutal and so demanding to the body and also mentally that I'm not, (laughs) I'm quite happy and relieved to not have to Go into my like a a season training to build up for the next season because it's, (laughs) I know how hard it is, and I'm I'm in a very nice, happy place where I that's that's out of the picture now, and I can do things and be free from um, that squash mindset and start start fresh.
0: Yeah, I guess I mean, you've always been one of the fittest uh, players men men or women doesn't matter on the tour so uh obviously you put a lot of time and effort Thanks. in in into doing that so i guess now you can just uh just enjoy that part of it rather than maybe forcing just yourself enjoy to the do workout. That. <laughs> yeah enjoy yeah, the workout it, yeah.
1: it's like i yeah i'm going into the gym or doing other, like fun stuff like boxing or um yeah. and endurance stuff or yeah, you know functional you. training just because it's fun, you know. Not for the for purpose of okay. If I do this, I have to get to this point so that I will recover better to then play to to compete and and be on top of my game. This is a whole different outlook, which is I'm finding it very, yeah, very very, very cool and and mm. chill for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I read a couple of your columns. It's one one of the things you're also uh, doing these days is uh, you're writing for. I believe it's a Malaysian uh, newspaper uh, column called uh, Nicole's yes. Nicks, and um, in, in one of your, I think it's the latest, uh, your latest piece, you did mention that uh, one of your passions now is uh, boxing. Uh, so tell tell us a little bit bit about that. I mean that that's a sport that's also really well known for having to be extremely I mean obviously uh, you have to be tough in order to be a boxer but uh, you have to also be extremely extremely fit so probably from the beginning it was a relatively decent fit for you so what what did you pick why did you uh, or what what was your sort of passion towards uh, taking up boxing where did that come from
1: (laughs) so I'll explain to you a little bit further into that uh, scenario it's not that I'm picking up a sport to <laughs> to to box in in future. It's just really like I found it on an app that gives these boxing classes that for a group and you just do some. It's more of just a physical exercise that I am. Um, I wanted to try out and it's purely just to see what they had in store. It's not like a one-on-one session. It's a real basic endurance and upper body strength exercise mm. that they also do some all-round uh functional training. So that that was purely my interest of just going into the class and check out what they they had and put some gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> it was purely that it's not not going into wanting to be a boxer someday. It was more of just testing the waters of what's out there that I can try that, you know, if I know I won't it was kind of like a worry that if I did some impact sports, it could be um, mm-hmm. detrimental to my squash performance. But now I can do it, and you know that's that it doesn't really matter what happens. I I I know I'm keeping fit and healthy, and doing other things that maybe won't be as harmful for my future in my squash. <laughs> so. So there was that was uh, there was just something that I was looking out and experimenting more more, more to say.
0: Right. On and, and I guess uh, outside of sports, I mean you found something that you you have a passion for as well, which is uh, which is writing. So uh how yeah, how did that I how did that come about for you?
1: I think after um the time of uh, wanting to see what what I have to offer um, after squash, I was I had a lot of interest coming in saying that you know you should do more talks, you should maybe write something about your experience, and um all those things were taken into consideration at the time. So I thought, why not start something um, in Malaysia, putting in an opinion column in, and it was just timely, timely that. Uh, our one of our nationals uh, newspapers that is a number one newspaper in our country. They they offered this place in as a column to hear me out and tell my story a little bit. So I thought, why not give it a shot? Mm. And it's a it's definitely a learning curve for me. And I ha- I'm now having to really understand what I want to put out there and also what people would like to hear from me too. So. It's it's definitely something fun, and but at the same time, I'm also learning a lot in the process on how how to write it well, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. also having friends to help me uh, guide me through like structuring things and yeah, those those things I have to learn in, in the process for sure.
0: And uh, which new, which publication is this? Which new, is it the is it the Star? The Star. Um. Yeah,
1: yeah, the star newspapers, and it's in the sports column.
0: Okay, and that that's online as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is too. Uh, it's on our local newspapers, and you can read it online as well.
0: Okay, so yeah, pe- people can. I, I I read the the first. I think you've written maybe three columns up, up until now. Or? This
1: is my second one.
0: The second yeah, one, just okay. My
1: second one recently. Yeah, and I'll do. It's every once a month. So every okay. third Wednesday of the month, it comes
0: out. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll take we'll keep an eye out for, for the for the next one. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Glad you're reading it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's amazing. I mean, I'm a big uh, I, I'm a big boxing uh, fan. I like boxing. I'm not sure if you like ah. watching watching the sport, but uh, it can be uh, exciting. And and I know how physically fit you have to be. Uh, to engage in that Mm. sport. So I I think maybe the fitness levels and and the type of fitness is sort of the, the longer rallies are a little bit similar Mm. to the, to the two or three minute rounds that they have in boxing. So.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's just more of something. uh, Yeah. Fun. And, but I, I know for a fact that some former squash players, like, uh, the Rodney Martin, I uh, know Rodney Alst, he has a big background of uh, boxing in his family. And um, I I heard they, they really uh, um, are good boxers and also they use that for their training and movement oh. mm-hmm. and also reflexes and upper body strength. So I, mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact this it's just really um useful uh but now i can just do it for fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah i noticed uh adrian grant as well he he's got some uh, some boxing footage uh online so he, he's oh, really? been he's been boxing yeah yeah
1: so ah, perfect <laughs> yeah. now uh, i'm on the right track then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly yeah now now nicole if you don't mind uh, i mean there's so much we could talk about. And, and I mean, you've done several of these uh, types of interviews since you've retired. and I I don't want to sort of beat a dead horse and ask you some of the same questions over and over again. So apologies if I do, but uh, I'm just going to pick and choose here. Looking back at your, uh, Mm -hmm. at your early years, your early success, which we, you know, we all know about you won the world juniors at the age of uh, 15. And shortly after that, at the age of 16, you won your first, PSA event very I mean in and of itself being at that age is such an accomplishment but obviously I mean uh, being as small and physically less strong as the women and or older girls at that time that you competed against must have been uh, a challenge for you but uh, you overcame it so how in your mind did you uh, did you address what many would have considered this type of adversity and go on court knowing that you could win
1: Funny enough, I I was always the smallest growing up And competing and training with the big girls And also my sisters were bigger than me Um, My two older sisters, Leanne and Cheryl They were in the state team And also like the big boys I used to jump on court with all all these bigger players When I was growing up and training So I was never I always felt that it was normal for me Mm. to be this small, and play the bigger players growing up. So when it came to competition and competing with these uh, bigger girls, I was used to it. I knew uh, I had to go with my strengths, but also it gave me that edge to work harder and to, to also play smarter as well, to find out what are their weak points, being bigger, they must have some areas that I need to, you know, expose them Mm -hmm. and use my speed and also my strength to outplay them. So that made me more um, aware of what I am capable of and also at a young age to work harder, train as hard as the rest or even harder because I knew being small, I, I needed to to find different areas of, um, and also to be stronger when I was growing up to after my, I always had a goal when I, I went into the seniors to always work on my upper body. It's always mm. been on my list. Like first goal is to work on my upper body strength. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. I, and as I, uh, and I got bigger and stronger and going into the seniors, that was my main focus. And, That now I can say that that was really how I started seeing myself as a top competitor because I knew that was a strength I had to improve, and I worked even harder to get there.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, knowing at a young age, I mean, obviously you were mature enough to realize that uh, you know talent's only going to get you so far, and then you know the work ethic that you you put in at a young age, you basically took it all the way. Throughout your career, so that was maybe a blessing in disguise. The fact that you that you had to put that little bit of extra uh, effort into to adding strength and and adding that element to your game to go along with uh, with the racket skills and your knowledge of the game that you you had already.
1: Yeah, it was very important too. I think everything developed when you are growing up and when you're mm. a, a young kid and when you establish that early early on you can you have a good base to go go on and it will translate in so many ways so I think that it's just really uh, putting it to good use from the start and and then it, it without realizing it actually comes into play in in the long run
0: yeah yeah, definitely. Now, um, recently, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, the PSA put out a, a poll, and uh, at the end of it all, uh, Jahangir Khan, uh, he got my vote. He uh, uh, was voted mm-hmm. as the greatest uh, of all time amongst the men, and yourself, uh, yeah. who all, you also got my vote, uh, was voted the greatest of all time. Uh, among the, the uh, women. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what did this uh, honor? What did this mean to you to be placed in such uh, high regard by the uh, the squash community and, and the PSA? Uh,
1: to be honest, I was truly honored to be amongst the the list that was up there, and, but to actually be voted in as the greatest of all time by my squash peers and the squash community and all the people that know squash uh it's it's really really a true honor um uh, being next to Jahangir Khan who I also voted for as the <laughs> greatest of all yeah. time in the men. Yeah. uh but you know he he set the the bar as well um to really push squash to the next level uh, and I knew growing up, I, Liz always showed a lot of videos and how he presented himself, how he was on court, ruthless. And, mm. you know, didn't, the, the way he played squash was such on a, another level that he was just a pinnacle of what squash should be. And we could actually watch him uh, play. And that's, that's the learnings I got from him. And he was like basically textbook squash to, yeah. to be the best you can be. And I, I was that's our reference to him, and he is the greatest of all time for in my books.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, when I look, you know, I was talking to, actually when I played today, I was talking uh, afterwards uh, with my uh, playing partner, and uh, we talked a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, Jahangir, and he said um, this year in Canada, Jahangir came to our, one of our national events as a guest. And there were some questions oh, nice. uh, from from the uh, audience and someone had asked them. There were some difficult questions. Um, and Jahangir was mm-hmm. very humble and very respectful and uh, just answered the questions uh, the best that he could. And in a lot of ways, and, and as well, as you know, his, uh, I guess it was his uh, brother who passed away on the squash court. And Jahangir had some mm. physical adversity, uh, in the beginning of his career as well. In a lot of yeah. ways, uh, I think there, you can draw some parallels between yourself and him in, in that respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, he, no one trained any harder than he did. Uh, no one was more oh, respectful. Yes. No one. I mean, he just went out and played the game right. and played it at, at the highest level. And in a lot of ways, I think, yeah. I think, uh, that's the way you, uh, you did things as well
1: yeah um i I just did what i had to do at the time because the game uh that we play is so demanding and but you have to train doubly hard or to sustain that and to keep the consistency at the very top, so mm. I think what he portrayed is what we all wanted to. Establish as well If you want to be the best You have to do That too And um, you, you know I never imagined That I would Be named The greatest of all time Or to achieve What I've achieved But it really Comes back to What I I wanted to do At the time Is to just Push myself And be the best I can be And, and then the results came And my performance Kept Getting better because I knew the harder I work and staying on top of my game and keeping consistency, then I'll be on top of the tour as long as I could be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you were on top for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, yeah. now, if you um, if you had to take yourself out of the equation, um, who would you rate uh, amongst the women uh, as the greatest of all time?
1: I I had a lot of uh, influence in the fact that I was given a chance to know more history working with this and how the squash history has grown up to now. And I think it all starts with the legend. It's herself, Heather McKay. Mm. Um, I think she basically took squash by storm in that in the time where you know women's sports is not fully you know out there but she made it possible and she, she to be unbeaten for 20 years in any sport uh it's i don't think any athlete has done that before and i think from that respect i and she went on to being probably probably a record ball World champion six years running and then mm. masters tennis champion you know all these things that she represent was just a true pure sportswoman that you know that i think can be the greatest of all time in my in my eyes and then it all come then everybody else after that uh came came about with susan devoy and then you have michelle martin this Sarah Fitzgerald, All of us came after that, so I think she started the what squash really needed to do, and yeah, yeah she was phenomenal. Uh,
0: absolutely, she laid the groundwork, and she, uh, like you said, mm-hmm. stayed at the top of the game for so many years, and uh, she was a role model. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a great choice uh, by your by you for for that. If you had to take yourself out of the equation now you've had so many, um, accomplishments over the years. So many titles, uh, world champ, 10, what was it? Eight, eight time world champion, five time British open, I think, Commonwealth games, gold yeah. medals, world juniors. Uh now if you probably so difficult to, to answer this question, but if you had to choose one, that's sort of uh one defining moment in your career amongst all those victories or one that sticks out in your mind, uh, that you hold most dearly to yourself, uh, which victory or wh- which mm-hmm. accomplishment might that be?
1: It will probably be my first world title in Hong Kong when I was 22. Mm-hmm. I, at the time I was still developing and growing in the sport, learning so much. Um, and, and always dreamed that one day I'll be hopefully world, world champion. And, when it came so much sooner than I expected. It was like a dream come true. And I think when you win a world title, you never expect it. But when it does happen, it really goes deeper into your system that you, you have done it. You know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. you can't believe it at the time, but you actually achieved your dreams. And I think that first world title is what broke me through to believe that this is my place to to take on more and to keep on going for it and keep pushing myself to see how far i can go and it only takes that first world title to make things happen further
0: yeah yeah absolutely now i mean you won that first world title in hong kong so obviously not only did that uh Lay the groundwork for you, uh, and was it so important to you? But uh, also, uh, must have helped you in terms of your your performance in Hong Kong, where you you were virtually unbeatable. Yeah, uh, was that uh, was that probably just the fact that you had won that first world title there gave you that little bit of extra something when whenever you played in Hong Kong?
1: It was uh, very special to with it there and it was what hong kong was also one of my first junior outings when i was 11 playing the under 13s and i won my first international title there oh, when i was okay. 11 years old so mm. it so i actually started playing squash in hong kong since i was 11 so the just the the memories of being there Then also to win my world first world title Every year I went back to Hong Kong I always had that buzz In my gut That I uh, it was a special moment for me And when I went on court It was tough Throughout those years I've had some big matches in between But I always came out uh, Strong at the end And winning that title In, the last, in that 10 years Which was I I couldn't quite imagine it possible, but it just had a nice feel every time. Liz and I, when we get back to Hong Kong, we have a little routine, or we go to our favorite places. We bring back good memories, and and it always comes back to ah, oh, we like we like our chicken rice, we like our sushi places, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and we we just have a nice nice feel when we get back there. And, and perform basically when you feel good you perform well
0: so you go did you ever go hike up the the peak there
1: to be honest after so 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 many years i think only the second last year that i competed there i i went up because i had to do something for squash tv so it was everyone was wondering you haven't been to the peak uh, I haven't hiked it, but obviously right. we just went went up with the cable car, and it was fine. But no, it's beautiful, and it's just next to the squash court, so I didn't have yeah. any excuse not to go up.
0: There you go. Well, jo- Joey and those guys to it- make sure that they uh, they forced you into going up.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> yeah. it was fine.
0: That's great. Now, um, uh, now, legend, um, I'm just yeah. Now, you've had uh, you've had several. Coaches over the years, dating back to when you were in juniors. In fact, one Canadian, uh, Jamie Hickox, I think you spent some some uh, time yes. with him. Uh, uh, but uh, Liz Irving yeah, is.
1: National
0: coach. Oh yeah, well he did he did a lot for uh, apparently did quite a bit for Malaysian squash while he was there. But uh, yeah. Liz Irving is the coach yeah, that definitely. your pro career is uh, synonymous with. Uh, so no doubt uh, she's influenced you in several ways, uh, both as a player and uh, outside of the court. So just if you don't mind, describe uh, the keys to your successful uh, relationship with Liz over the years and uh, how she's influenced you as a player on and off the court.
1: Well, Liz, from the moment I met her, even on the tour, I already saw just like someone who is genuine and just a professional player and she's out there, you know, giving her best all the time and, she was just a nice Nice person So I, I I heard about Her coaching in Amsterdam And studying a little bit with some Players there and I thought I'll give it a shot and uh, Venture out and see What she has in store and, uh, and the moment I Stepped on court with her and she was Giving me some tips on Technique and uh, Ideas on squash she really opened my mind to a whole different perspective of how to approach squash and how she sees squash in the professional sense. And I never saw it in that way at all. And it's like an aha moment when when I went on court with her. And it, it was like that every single time I stepped on court with her. So it was only clear that I needed to know more and learn more from her and I took the decision in 2003 to move to Amsterdam and work with her and from that moment on she told me from the very beginning if we are going to really do a lot of work we are gonna start from the technical aspect and also the on your movement because yeah, really no, those sorry things for interrupting, are but kind of I, I remember you. Uh, yeah. I
0: remember when she was on the podcast she told me that um, she basically you, you had to start your whole swing from scratch, scratch or something. Yeah that, is that from
1: zero yeah. Yep, from zero. And she said you just have to bear with with this because right now what you have is, is good but it's limiting you because you're not getting the options you need in in your in the technical sense so on the, at the top level is you you can't get away with that just just by two three options you need to ex- expand your your variety and and um and really get solid in on the technical sense so she broke it down to from zero how the whole a racket a grip and from then on <laughs> Uh, it it was frustrating at the time because you feel like you couldn't even hit the ball, but but then when she shows it to you and and when she does breaks it down and puts it together so clearly, it makes sense. And when you get it, you really get it. So I knew if I stuck to it and I kept on it, uh, eventually it would all come together. Even if I was I was losing at some matches to players that I don't necessarily lose to, but I knew those. I have one or two points that it works and I, I was saying, okay, if I keep to it, it will get better. So I just trusted the process. She trusted. She gave me so much and she knew the game from, mm-hmm. from the back of her hand and uh, she's been on the tour for so long and she has so much experience that I just wanted... I, she just kept me motivated and it was fun at, at the same time. So everything that she gave me was just get to what I'm capable of doing and to build from my strength. She didn't, she didn't take out anything to be like her because I'm a totally different player than mm-hmm. her, but she gave me exactly what I needed to do to be strong on that mid, middle of the court, to be attacking, to be the strongest volleyer on the tour. And those things I, I had to develop from from her and she just she she was and also she was just the most caring person as well like she she knew what it takes to be on the tour as a female athlete on a women's tour and it's not not an easy task but she was there uh, side by side in every aspect when I was down and out but and at the good times the bad times and you know, she was a true mentor and took me through a lot of, a lot of things along the way for 17 years. So <laughs> mm. you don't have a relationship like that if you don't like each other too. No.
0: <laughs> so well, I
1: think it was purely down to being good friends at the same time.
0: Well, it's a testament to how much you trusted her and and how much you, uh, you know, how professional you were or are as a player. I mean, uh, I remember way, way back in my little squash world, I was told as a junior I needed to uh, change my footwork and I had to move back from the the men's A group to the, if I moved back to the men's C group and did all this new footwork movement, I would improve and uh i just remember back then i yeah. didn't want i didn't want to do it i didn't want to, want to uh go back to to Sea but in hindsight yeah in hindsight i mean that's the now that's the worst part of my game is my my footwork so yeah, i was stuck yeah, too stubborn it's,
1: it's just uh, it's not that it's i think everybody has different processes and i i for one uh knew that i i it was very frustrating at the time because it but it but i i i'm very aware of how my body reacts to something good and if and it stay it stick it clicks so when mm. i'm doing the technical movement or the technical swing and it feels like spot on then my body or my mind remembers that and it knows it can re- reproduce that Time and time again, mm-hmm. so so if I practice and uh, practice makes it perfect, so yeah. i I kept to it and and this transformed my game completely she that was if i was if it wasn't me going to Amsterdam working with this, you know, I probably would have been so frustrated with my own technique and style of game that I would have stopped squash a long time ago hmm. uh, but but she kept me grounded she kept me motivated every even at the top we still found areas to improve but she always found things to motivate me when I'm on court and uh, just and it, it was tough because the expectation of her to continuously put me at uh, up there and to keep me to sustain that level was also a, a, a heavy task for her but she took it when uh, full full speed and and we just work, we just gave it our all when as much as we could to the very end.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you did you know sort of uh, in the back of your mind before uh, Liz proposed changing your game? Did you have a sense that maybe you needed to, to make a few changes anyways?
1: Yeah, I knew I had to change a lot, a lot yeah. of things in my game for sure. Because I, I, I knew it was limiting my game and the more I worked with her, the more I realized, wow, I have a lot to learn. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. the game is a whole different ball game in, in the professional world. So
0: for sure. Now um mm-hmm. now one another thing that uh that came to my attention even before I spoke with Liz, but uh legend has it that uh, during your long story career that you managed somehow to avoid any uh, serious injuries. And that that sort of makes sense. I don't really remember you ever being injured per se. So uh, Mm -hmm. to what extent is this true? And what is or what was your your secret uh, in terms of taking care of your body whilst pushing yourself to such extremes to be ready for the the pro tour, the rigors of, of squash?
1: I'm very thankful and grateful that I can actually say I retired (laughs) injury-free and without any serious injuries. But I was very also blessed uh, to have such amazing people in my team with the support of the National Sports Council, the Institute of Sports, all funded by our Ministry of Sports in Malaysia. And all of this funding has come into squash Coming into the com Games in Malaysia at the time in 1998. So all these expertise were given to me when I was probably 12, 13 years old. Mm. And the knowledge of understanding what your body is going through, um, the recovery work, the strength and conditioning st- stuff, physios on, on site constantly to, for recovery um all this played a huge role growing up and on my tour I had the the pleasure to work with um uh, one of my best uh st- structural integrated that's what he called himself his name is Ro- uh, Ronald Forvel he passed 2 years ago but mm-hmm. everyone he's known on the squash tour for being just a uh, bundle of joy and a big character on tour. but he knew what i needed for my body and he knew knew it from when i was 14 years old i worked with him all throughout my career Wow! and he taught me from the very beginning that your body is really your your temple and if you have any small slight niggle or feeling that is not something is not feeling good. Stop for a few days, get it checked and fi- and we find the where the cause is and 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 he was travelling with me almost maybe eighteen years um throughout my squash career, post and pre preparation for my matches, and every day I will go into my matches feeling fresh fresh as a daisy mm, <laughs> and getting a- ready for my next match. Yeah. yeah and that's and that's that's what he um taught me and helped a lot of our elite athletes our squash players um for all those years and he will always be remembered uh on the tour and especially myself so those those people have been very instrumental in my development, and I was given great uh, specific training programs specific to my strengths and weaknesses so we will do every year uh, a fitness test or a body analysis on areas that I needed to improve and Ronald will be also there assisting so we will, so I will make sure that my body is as balanced as possible in my training and also the intensity of training how much can I take on and and then I I will build from there, and they will have my log that I will keep going on, and it gets harder and harder, obviously, as you get better. But yeah, but it's very efficient, and I get and I have to take my rest as much as I can to recover. So I like like Liz always says, I'm the queen of rest in her last podcast with you.
0: I <laughs> yeah, I know rest, how to yeah. rest very well. Yeah,
1: uh, but I know how to push. When I need to, so I can push hundred percent in each training session and periodizing each session, not periodization, doing 100% yeah. Every day, yeah. Yeah. Those, so those things have been. That's my focus throughout my career is to keep my body fit and healthy, and away from injuries. And I was very, and I'm very proud of how I come out. Of course, had niggles with my calves and my hamstrings at mm. the end of my career, these last few years, but but it didn't stop me from playing squash. No. I I could look after it in 2 weeks and I'll be I'll be good to go to play a competition in that time frame.
0: Well, Ron was definitely a, a big part of your uh the legacy that you left behind, obviously, uh, providing you providing you with the insight and the uh, the awareness and, and all of this that we need to have in terms of uh, staying injury free. So if we, you know, just for, for the average player who, who might be listening, uh, you know, someone who goes out and plays a lot and, you know, maybe gets sore a little bit, uh, but then might go up the next day, uh, what would your sort of best advice be in terms of uh, staying injury free for For the squash community at at large would it be listen to your body something basically that you just said
1: yeah there's two things I think that athletes find it difficult because uh, one is that we feel that we have to be strong through our training and competition so we don't want to show weakness and when we feel something it may may seem as though we are like copping out or something but there's there's two things. There's one where it's uh, pain, and there's also uh, stiffness. So we we tend to get confused on what what is what. Mm. So when we train train a normal regime, or like even uh, normal public squash players, when they are stiff, it's squash stiffness. It's normal, and we and we can play through it, and we do the stretches, and we do we get recovery with uh some massage or sports massage and that that helps. When it's when it's pain and you really can't move or you you feel like it's really affecting your your movement, then you you have you know that something is not right. So I think the two the differences of those two is very it's a fine line. So it's just a matter of putting that training and see what what is what. And if you know what's stiffness and what's pain, then yeah, do do the necessary. Mm. So,
0: how 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 would you how do you deal with stiffness? I mean I'm I'm really stiff today. Um
1: <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah. I, I
0: went running uh the last couple of days just to sort of do a bit of you That's know good. light training but uh a little bit stiff yeah. and then I, just, I played today, I played well but I'm stiff now. Uh, for example, (laughs) squash is yeah,
1: squash is just unforgiving, I think. (laughs) We underestimate how tough squash is until we, you know, you take a bit of time off and you go on court and you play squash and you're stiff straight away. Mm -hmm. And I think all my life I've been stiff because of squash, (laughs) and Yeah. yeah, and that's why we. You need to always be on top of things. Maybe try and get some massages in once or twice a week to yeah. just oh, yeah pamper yourself a little. But but those are important to bring into even normal public squash. A uh, normal playing squash players uh in you know club players and juniors. I think everybody needs to keep that in in the mix. Like getting some wrap downs. Uh, um, also like swimming is very good to just get the lactic acid out or, mm. on the bike so you're not putting any more impact after all the squash movement so just rolling on the bike a little to just get some lactic acid out but what I really suggest is get make sure like some massages in to just loosen those muscles up and then you're going to make it stiff again so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. squash is keep, unforgiving yeah, squash is going to keep that going yeah it's going to keep that stiffness in your legs all day constantly <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah for sure well th- thanks for that advice i, I think uh, a lot <laughs> of us will uh yeah there, I, I liked what you said about uh, the difference between stiffness and pain and i think that's a mm-hmm. that's a that's a key there to be able to, yeah. uh, to recognize that yeah
1: and pamper and also like pamper yourself a little you know like it's okay mm-hmm. to get some massages here and there because you need your body needs it and it is telling when you can't really move and you just stiff. <laughs> yeah those are signs that you need to stretch a little bit more and yeah get okay. some massages <laughs>
0: for sure now, uh, now, Nicole, you've been really great with your time. Um, now the, the, just no a couple of more questions. Uh, the last few years uh, yeah. of your playing career probably uh, weren't up to your uh, expectations in terms of results that you might expect uh, from yourself. So I was just wondering, what was your frame of mind during during the last few years? Were you trying uh, to get back to the, the number one ranking? Because you weren't that far off, really. Most of the matches you played... Uh, Against the uh, the likes of Reneem and Nor and um, you know anyone in in the top ten, they were all either you you might win or they were very close, uh, or were you, were you just simply enjoying? Uh, you knew you were retiring and you were enjoying these last uh, you know the last year or so, uh, regardless of the outcome.
1: Yeah, I, I just played with what I had, and um, I think I knew I still got some juice in me that I could keep. Keep on to the top players, and um, but I but maybe the hunger to keep on top wasn't as strong as it was, so the consistency would drop. And at the top, you only can bank on consistency to take you through most most matches and most tournaments. And I I probably didn't have that same you know intensity as mm. the rest who is now obviously younger than me have the years to, to to come in and really bring their game to the level that they are gonna just stay there and and, and be the very best. So um, I, I've done that for such a long time that it's so hard to bring yourself to that consistent consistency level you expect yourself. So for me I just knew if I had what it take on the takes on the day. I can be a really strong contender with anyone. Mm-hmm. So I just went in having fun, enjoying it out there and gave it my best in every match. And I really, I really made the most of those, those moments because I knew I had that this last few years left and every opportunity to be on that glass court, to play one of these top players and to also, give that, give it a good go. Uh, I, I won't get that any any other way. That, that high of competing and mm. pushing myself. So that that was all I wanted to do is just, um, just go out there and give what I had left.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you're playing. I mean, the the ladies' game right now is set. It, it's so fun to watch, and uh, including when you were mm-hmm. you were part of it. And there's so many good players out there it really when I was watching your last few matches you never looked like you you always looked like you were enjoying yourself
1: yeah it was really like I think also the best part when I actually did announce my retirement that it, it was just a sense of freedom of knowing that uh every, that people know it and and now they they see me out there really enjoying it, and that's what I wanted to do is to put it put it all together and keep keep my body healthy, strong, mentally fresh and and that I can just go in with anybody and and see how I do
0: <laughs> yeah no for sure now um uh, just uh, in twenty o eight um and I've noticed this when i when I've read your name. Uh, online a few times you have the title of uh, Datuk uh, adjacent to your name so it's an honor uh, that's bestowed upon uh, those in Malaysia uh, with who are given a a very high level of of respect so for those who may not know uh, or may be wondering what it is um, I know Jackie Chan has uh, has that honor as well Uh, yeah (laughs) so you and Jackie Chan yes
1: another level (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what, what did it mean to you uh, when you received uh, and, and this honor was uh, bestowed upon you?
1: It was very special because I, um, at the time, the, the honors actually given to people or entrepreneurs or pub- public serv- service. That you have given, or for like twenty years or thirty years, and you are recognized with those um, titles, and and give bringing recognition for the country. So, I think from my my achievements at such a young age, they saw that this was I was entitled to get this um, title, and yeah, the state of Penang honored me. The ship. And then now recently The federal government has given me That um, similar title as well And you know it's just uh, It's just truly really flattering And uh, such an appreciation From the Malaysian uh, public And also from the whole nation Of what I've achieved That has reflected on to the country So it's a, tr- it's a huge honour And it's like a Same level as like maybe A, a knighthood Or something you know mm, that's yeah. given to Or uh, an ob um, in, in England I got different levels of Those, those uh, recognitions And this is just the one of the Few at the beginning And it goes up so I'm I'm just very very thankful that Malaysia itself has given me so much um, support and uh, truly truly shown how much they I mean to them and have impacted the country in some way with my squash. Mm.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean. I've been living overseas for several years and I've uh, gotten to know, very lucky to know uh, quite a few uh, Malaysian people and every one of them, oh, uh, they know, they know that I play uh, squash. So, and every one of them yeah. brings up your name every time I, uh, I come <laughs> into them. So I, I think it's just, it's a oh. testament to you that, uh, you know, how much, uh, how highly respected you are in Malaysia for the accomplishments and what you've done. And, and you've put the, the country on the map in terms of uh, a, a sport like squash. So uh, definitely well-deserved, Nicole.
1: No, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's very inspiring to, to be back at home or to also meet other fellow Malaysians, to hear that I've inspired them in some way or or to thank me for my contributions. And I think I, you don't get that in many countries. And to have that in my own country, I feel so much pride in the fact that they they truly honor and respect the level of achievements our now national athletes are producing. And before being such a small sport, sporting nation, we, we are now understanding what top sports is all about. And to have achieved what I've achieved, they they now see the value that comes with it. And now who knows they they can be aspi aspire to be bigger in the world in their own respective sports and also in their own their own field of work. And I, I'm I'm just truly blessed to also have that support from the country that no other sport play, sports or not squash player have gotten in their respective countries. Apart from maybe like Hong Kong or in, in India or in like the Asian countries and in Egypt, now it's getting more of the recognition from the, from the general public. But Malaysia really has this high regard of what I've achieved and I'm so thankful and grateful.
0: Yes, and uh, I think the uh, the squash community, um, uh, in and of itself, uh, within that community, obviously you're you're held in the highest regard. Um, recently, you were in Kenya as part of the World Squash Federation ambassador program. Uh, my friend, uh, the a friend and I uh, that were playing today, he said he noticed that you. May have been playing against, uh, or play, ha, had a bit of a hit with Borja Golan, and it looked like, uh, yeah, like you, you were very fit, and, and Borja looked like he had just uh, collapsed or something. But um, no, <laughs>
1: we did, uh, two, two against one, so it was me Serm, and me. Yeah. We were playing two against one with Borja. So oh, oh okay, we were there, there, we there you go. Getting a better, better advantage. Okay, two, <laughs> yes, two so of the we
0: fittest, uh, two of the fittest ladies ever to play the game against. Uh, yeah, one, one of the great against uh, Borja. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But uh, how yeah. how did everything go there in in Kenya, and, and what was the uh, what exactly did you guys uh, do in terms of the the ambassador program there?
1: Uh, So the ambassador program is really geared towards small squash nations to help promote the game in their own country and um, to gain some awareness of the game in in their city or country. So for us top pro squash players going there, they probably haven't seen professional squash live in their own home uh, so we and also to be on court with one of us was a uh, for them is an experience that maybe they won't get a chance. So, we so having the World Squash Federation, um, putting these programs together to help these smaller nations to gain some awareness and also maybe some media following who knows, some interest might come along the way in terms of sponsoring. They have development program or tournament and in turn ter- we also have uh, a coach there and a referee to give them some insights on coaching like with workshops so these are the things that we bring forward to the program and I was there for the first two days and I had to leave after they were there the rest were there for four days in Nairobi mm-hmm. and the enthusiasm you get from every program is amazing i I feed off so much from their just their genuine joy of seeing us being on court with them playing getting getting some rallies in they they just love it and we have so many places that they truly love the game but they don't have access to yeah coaching proper coaching or proper um players coming into their court to play with them but the level there has been to actually be there to see the level was actually very um uh it was yeah it was nice to see how the level is and uh and they are keen so to to if we could give a chance to them in some ways this is what this is what the program is all about and i was very I, I really enjoyed my experience in Kenya. We went to the safari before that to oh, to nice. experience what cool. what it's all about. Um so that was yeah, such a how was that you, uh, to be amongst all. Oh, amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, I don't think you can actually explain it until you're there to be <laughs> right next to these animals that are just just yeah, it, it's like Discovery Channel, uh, uh live. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: <laughs>
1: you have the camps, yeah. So I, I think what, what really squash has given me is all these opportunities to go to these countries. I've done before. There was a women in the w, WSPA or WSA. We had those the same program, and then moved over to world squash with the the support from uh, Andrew Shelley running the yeah. show. From the women's squash to the world squash, and also a very, very adamant supporter, Tom Tarantino. He's a he's from Philadelphia and he's a squash enthusiast. And he wanted to give this this opportunity instead of putting something funds in maybe a, a tournament or whatnot. He sees a bigger picture on how the squash world can contribute to all these smaller nations if he could, he could he He was our main sponsor so we are very thankful and grateful for his contribution for this lot for almost nearly 20 years now um, and I was involved with 10 of those um, outings which is one of the best learning experience for me and at the same time the best way of giving back to the sport
0: well nicole um i just want to say uh, it, it was really a, a real pleasure uh, speaking with you today we spoke for over an hour here and um <laughs> yeah know, yeah i uh, really appreciate it and i just want to say uh, thanks so much for all the uh the great years of of incredible squash and uh you're you're mm-hmm. definitely the greatest of all time in my book uh, and of, uh, of course uh, in in almost everyone's uh, book for that matter uh, I want to wish you all the best uh, uh, in your retirement and uh, again uh, thanks. really uh, thanks for coming on and speaking with me today, it was an honor
1: Thanks so much Jerry it's been uh, a great session with you
0: Well that was an absolute honor to be able to speak to Nicole thanks again Nicole so much for that and uh, I hope you all enjoyed it, I know I did I'm going to go back and uh, listen to that in full, the first chance I get. Uh, one thing that I, that does uh, stick out in my mind, though, is our, our little discussion about, uh, just in terms of me personally, about uh, how she was able to stay uh, injury-free uh, throughout all those years. And uh, the one thing that uh, I do remember uh, from the conversation was, uh, how she was able to distinguish between pain and, uh, maybe I think it was pain and being tired or soreness. Uh, but, uh, there's a, there's a distinction between the two. And she knew, uh, if there was uh, pain, then uh, she knew she had to take a little bit of time off, whether that's a week or a few days. Uh, but when, whenever she, uh, she felt pain or whenever we feel pain, maybe that was her, I'm not sure she felt, too much uh, pain over the years i'm sure she has but um if we do feel pain then that's the the time when we need to take a a few days off which is exactly what happened to me uh uh, this week um i went for a couple of runs i'm on vacation uh went for two or three runs out into uh, in the park but uh, the terrain is pretty rough and uh i think i i might have pulled something but it it was extremely painful uh a few days, uh, after my last run. So it's now been uh, two days. I haven't really done much and it's feeling much better. So I'm thinking, uh, I might, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to maybe get back into the gym, maybe get back on the squash court. I did play a few days ago with, uh, actually with one of our previous guests, Canadian over 40, uh, national champion, <clears throat> uh, Matt Bishop. And, uh, we did some, uh, some training and some, some really good stuff. Didn't feel, uh, any pain, any soreness during that. Uh, but it was about three days after that, where I think it was an adductor issue or maybe, uh, something along those lines, a hamstring, but I think it came as a result of the running. So, uh, I'm going to follow her advice from now on, especially, uh, as I'm an elder statesman in the game um and I think it's uh, those are very sa- that's very sage advice uh from Nicole. but uh, uh there's so much there I know you're all going to enjoy, enjoy the the uh the chat in its entirety and uh please share this with your your friends in your squash community on your social media and I uh, really appreciate everyone who's been uh, listening uh we've got some excellent ones coming up And uh, with any luck, uh, uh, a very good uh, uh, 100th episode coming up. So uh, that's fast approaching. We're at 98 today. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care and enjoy your squash. Goodbye now.